Um, so, as you heard, the title of today's uh, talk and show up is Islamic Foundations for a Happy Home. I, I think that if we um, actually change the title to those things which are necessary to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the home. Because if your house, if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with your home, it's going to be a happy home. And no matter how much you strive for happiness, if that is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then you're never going to be happy. And this desire to be happy is a, it's a human, it's a natural human desire. It's not something that is specific to Muslims or to males or females, to young or old, everybody. And I'm gonna ask you something um, because, because I, I think we need to really think about this. What does it mean to be happy? And I, I want answers. I don't, I'm not just asking because, um, yeah, go ahead. Okay, so to be content, to not desire. So basically you feel, at least you feel like you have everything you want and therefore you are happy. Anybody else, did you look that up? Anybody else? Yes. To have a feel in your heart that you are. To feel in your heart that you are pleased with Allah and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is pleased with you. Okay, maybe that's a Muslim definition. But just the human definition of happiness. Because everybody, yes. Contentment and satisfaction, similar to what we said here. Yes. Qana'a is, is not happiness. Qana'a is what they're talking about, which is contentment. Uh, happiness is sad. Normally, that's the way you translate. Anybody else? Yes. Uh, to feel fulfilled. To feel fulfilled. Right. Okay. So it, go, it goes back to contentment. All right. I, I, I want us to I want us to start there because a happy home, and I, I want us to pay attention to this point here. We're looking for happiness in the home. It's, it's a bit different than seeking happiness through marriage. Happiness in marriage is different from seeking happiness through marriage. And this point is critical because a lot of people are not happy and they think that by getting married, they will become happy automatically and that's a fallacy. There's not going to be any marital happiness without individual happiness. And that's why it's very important that before you embark upon marriage or before you look at your marriage and you say, well, what's going on? What's wrong with my marriage? There has to be an internal audit. You have to look at what's going on inside of you. And don't think that you're gonna be a miserable person. You're, you're 21 years old, you're miserable in life, and you think that now by getting married that life is going to turn for you and be happy. It doesn't work like that. And the more that you work on your relationship with Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, your relationship with Allah, and your spouse also works on their relationship with Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, that is where you'll be able to find happiness in the home. And I, I hope that this is clear. So when Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, 
is pleased with you. Our prophet Isaiah Salat was says that Elias and Wajun will tell Jibril, Yeah, Jibril, inni Fulan. Oh Jibril, I love this person. So love him. And Jibril will call out to the inhabitants of the heavens. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loves this person, so so love him, and then he will be given kabul fil and he will be given the acceptance in, in, on earth. The, the more that a person is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, male or female, the, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to sum this up today. Um, and I, I, this is gonna go old school. So like, you might need a pen and paper. I know those things probably like people under, um, like you're gonna have to jot down notes because this is, I wanna approach this a little differently than a just a succinct talk because sometimes when, when it follows too much of a logical order, you go to sleep. And so sometimes you need to jump around a little bit, keep your, keep your mind um, right. I, I just, we going to the point. It, it's very important that we recognize that happiness starts starts within. Allah has emphasized this in the Quran, Alam Have we not, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said to the Prophet, have we not expanded your chest? And have the Prophet that happiness comes from him, subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you look for it in other places, you may find some temporary fixes, but you're not going to find a cure. Allah says, Did we not expand your chest? In other words, did we not make you happy? Oh, Messenger of Allah, Sallallahu Allah, the same way that he created this hand of yours and your body, he also created your emotions. He's the owner of those emotions. If you want to be happy, you ask Allah for that. And don't think that you're going to get it from elsewhere. That is a delusion and it is going to take you off of the path. So knowing where to seek happiness is very important. Uh, to, to that point, inshallah, we're going to just go through quickly what I consider, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best, what I consider to be some of the most important, and, and, and there may be some other things that are going to be skipped. Some of the most important aspects of a healthy and happy home. And this is one of the most difficult talks that I've ever given because the reality is, is that we're all striving for happiness in our homes. And just like everything else in Islam and your Iman, just like there's ebbs and flows, ups and downs, there's the same thing in marriage. Um, even in the household of our Prophet And if there was just going to be a household that had no absolute, no problems, there was no drama, there was no absolutely no argumentation, it would have been the house of the prophet. But that wasn't the case. It, not that there was turmoil. Let's, let's not go there. That, the, the prophet had a very healthy, he had very healthy marriages. Okay? But they were not perfect in that sense that, meaning that there was no uh, friction ever. I mean, you think about 
Think about later in the life of the prophet, I think it's Salat al Salam. Now, I don't want to digress too much. We go back. But I, I, want, I want us to understand something. Because being happy does not mean that there's not going to ever be any problems. That's not what happiness means. But uh, later in the life of the Prophet, some of the wives of the Prophet got together and they sent Fatima, the daughter of the Prophet, to talk to the Prophet about his love for Aisha. They were, they were a little bit like, um, they, they wanted the Prophet like something to love them as much as he loved Aisha a really long time. So they, they sent Fatima to the house of the Prophet وسلم, and they said, talk to him about Al-Adam, being just with us. And so Fatima went to the Prophet وسلم, and basically they, they're looking for their, you know, they know that the Prophet loves Fatima like nobody else. So they figured that she would be the one, if anybody could talk to her, it would be Fatima. So Fatima came, and the Prophet was at the house of Aisha. So she asked permission to enter. The Prophet told her to enter. And he was there, uh, sitting next to Aisha. Lovely Allah. And so Fatima said, Oh, Messenger of Allah, your wives have talked to me and they and they, they wanted me to talk to you about being uh, just with them. And they wouldn't call her Aisha, they called her Bint Abi Fuhab. Because that was the, I mean, she was the daughter of Abu Bakr Siddiq. And he was Ibn Abi Fuhab. So, so the Prophet Sallallahu said, Oh, Fatima, do you not love the one whom I love? And she said, yes. She said to, to, to the Prophet Sallallahu yes, I love her too. And she said, I'll never ask you anything again about Aisha. She went back to the wives of the Prophet Sallallahu They said, you didn't do us any good. This is just what they said. You didn't do us any good. So then they said, let's send Zainab into Jahsh. Is also a wife of the Prophet and Aisha said that she was the one that was uh, basically the one that was almost equal to me, kind of the words that she used to, to describe uh, Zainab. She, she said about Zainab that she was the one who also had a part of the heart of the Prophet and so she said Zainab came and she asked can she come in to the house of Aisha. And she came in and Aisha and had described her in the most beautiful way. She said, there was no woman, he said, I don't know any woman who was more charitable than Zainab. She would give away her money. She was charitable with, with her actions. That is, that she used to do things for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa She said she was a devout worshiper of Allah. And she described her with all these beautiful terms. She said, except, she, she had she had a sharp tongue, basically. Let me tell you all. So she said, this is what she said. She said that she came in and she was talking to the Prophet and she said, Your wives want you to be just. And she said, and then she ripped into it. So so Aisha only allowed time and she said, So I looked at the Prophet trying to gauge, would he give me permission to respond? 
And wouldn't he let, or was he telling me to just fall back? She said, and when I saw that the Prophet somebody was telling me, didn't, didn't mind me responding, she said, I responded and I silenced her. Now mind you, listen to this. This is happening, this is, these are the best of women in front of the best man, Solomari, they were something. And they were letting, you know, as we were saying, she was letting her have it. And the other one was responding. Okay, I mean, it wasn't any fights from me now, but the, the point is that what? They, that's, there was some tension there, right? And the fact that there was tension didn't stop or didn't mean that that still wasn't the best household ever. Okay, that the Prophet in him is the best example for us as a husband, as a as a spouse, period, as a, as a parent. All of this we gain from the Prophet Muhammad So the, the, the point is that as we look for happiness in our families, we shouldn't just, we shouldn't be looking for perfection. That's the point. That perfection is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we're gonna sum up, uh, also I think, I think another point of this hadith, um, that should be mentioned. Notice how Aisha look at that connection she had with the Prophet. Like they're reading, she's reading. Prophet didn't tell her you can respond. She said, I'm looking at the Prophet to try to gauge, is he gonna let me respond? And, and she said, when I saw that he didn't mind, mind, mind you, they haven't said anything to each other. She's kind of communicate, they have this like subliminal communication going. And that's it, that's important that you get to know your spouse at a level where you really don't have to go and say a whole lot, but that there's that, that level of communication between you. Like, so what we're gonna get to, inshallah, is six main points that will serve as the foundations for a happy home. I'm gonna mention them all together and then I'm going to go one by one, inshallah. The first is obedience to Allah, subhanahu The second is al-wasatiyah. What's that mean? Moderation, balance, being balanced. That a house that does not have balance in it will fail. It, it, it won't be a happy home. It won't be a happy home. The, the third thing is sugar. Gratefulness, gratitude. The fourth is al which is being fair, being just. The, uh, that's four, right? The fifth, that there's good, that, they, that both spouses, that the people in the house have good character, that they have good manners. And then the last, love and mercy. Love and mercy together. Okay, so what is number one again? Obedience. To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The foundation of the house, the household that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and therefore one that is happy is the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That both people approach marriage as a means of drawing closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is this is both the man and the woman. The Prophet وسلم, said, Either attack 
ان لم تفعلوا تكون فتنه في الارض وفساد كبير. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said if someone comes to you seeking marriage and you are pleased with his deen, his level of religiosity, and you are pleased with his khuluq, his behavior, then marry him. Not, not you marry him, meaning that you marry him to the one whose hand he's seeking. So whether it's your daughter, your sister, or whatever, maybe, then marry him to that person. If you don't do that, there is going to be fitna in the land and great corruption. Okay? So if someone comes to you seeking your daughter's hand, your sister's hand, whoever it is that you may be in charge of, and that person has good deen, that is, that their practice of Islam is intact, and that they have good character. Can, can somebody's Islam be intact and not have good character? Okay, so why deen of huwa Why both? Why his religiosity and his character? Yes. For emphasis, yes. The Prophet was sent to, to show us the perfection of good character. The, the point is there is emphasis here. There's emphasis on the point of character. Because deen, a lot of times, may refer to ritual aspects of worship. So how do you, you know, is this person praying on time all of the time and uh, fulfilling the other rites of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? A lot of times, deen kind of goes towards those ritual aspects, right? Character is part of deen, and the Prophet some here is emphasizing that part. So if someone comes to you and you're pleased with their character, and you're pleased with their deen and their character, then marry them off. Meaning what? What quality are we looking for first and foremost? The person's practice of, of deen. Their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If they don't do good in their relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, most likely they're not going to do good in their relationship with their daughter. With your, with your mother, she's looking to get married with your sister or whoever else. All right. And the Prophet said about women, The Prophet said a woman is married for four things for her wealth, for her nobility, and her lineage. What you know, what family she comes from, what tribe she comes from, and for her beauty, it's number three, her wealth, her lineage, her beauty, and for her deen, for her deen. The Prophet said, So pick the one, pick the one who has the deen, may your hands be covered in dust. What does that mean? Huh? May your hands be covered in dust. What does that mean? You won't need for anything. Huh? Anybody else? So that you can be prosperous and successful. But no, okay. 
you have to understand that the stuff, it comes frequently in the language of the Arabs. They use things like this to mean the opposite. Terry but your dad is usually an indication that somebody is poor. Yes. Okay, so, but, but here's actually, depends on what, what the du'a is related to. If the du'a is related to father, father, that's a deen. Basically, choose the woman for her deen and you will prosper, basically, is, is what the Prophet said. Okay, in other words, without going into a lot, because I, the time is like ticking quickly, um, that we make our, our decision on whom we marry, based on deen. That is one of the foundations for a home that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Notice that here, Allah when talking about the companions, he says to the Prophet if you had spent everything that was in the earth to bring their hearts together, that what? You wouldn't be able to bring their hearts together, but it is a law that has brought their hearts together. So know that with your spouse, it's not going to be about how much you spend or how much they do, but it's about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala creating the bond between the hearts. And that's only going to happen when both people are trying to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when that happens, then Allah will bring their hearts together it's, again, it's not about the money, it's not about the material. You know, there are people, mashallah, who have very nice mansions and things like that, and they get divorced. And there are people who live very humble means and they stay together and they love each other and their home is happy. And their home is happy. Because they're striving to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is critical uh, in, in, in recognizing happiness that we are striving to be obedient to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, the Prophet sallallahu said in the authentic hadith, hand my soul and by Allah they're not two people who have loved each other for Allah and then they are separated except because of a sin that was done by one of them except because of a sin that was done by one of them imagine if it's not a sin but it's a life of sin and a person is constantly in disobedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that may be a cause of the family being split and not being happy. Happiness starts with obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I just want that point to stick in. Now, as we talk about obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, there's a lot more that can be said to on this particular uh, point. We, we have to make sure, and this brings us to point number two. We have to make sure that there is balance. So a lot of us, when we think about marriage, and, and I also, this is not just for people who haven't gotten married yet, by the way, because a lot of times we hear this type of thing, we say, yeah, well, you talk about picking one for Dean, 
And I really got married because the brother had a steady job and now what do I do? I got married because I got a glance and she was beautiful. Now what do I do? Well, what you do is you try to rectify a situation to the best of your ability. If this person is truly a Muslim, then they're going to grow and they deen the same way that you're growing. Nobody just starts off the, the beginning of their lives, most people anyway. Uh, there are exceptions to the rule. But most people grow in the deen as they get older as they learn more, and they're able to practice more, develop good habits. So the, the point is that what happens is we hear all this, and then we say, well, yes, I'm going to take my wife. And I, I, for example, I hear the hadith, the, the sheikh just mentioned it, and he said that the Prophet said that there is no man who wakes up at night. This is a hadith of Prophet somebody. There's no man who makes, wakes up at night, and he prays, and he wakes his wife up. And if she doesn't get up, and he sprinkles a little water on her. And then she also, if she prays at night, and then she sprinkles a little water on her husband, and they wake up and they pray together, except that they'll be written from amongst those who are grateful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And other ahadith like that, we say khalas, mashallah, tonight, that's it. We'll wake up, if she doesn't get up, I'm gonna sprinkle a little water. If that doesn't work, y'all know the ice bucket challenge? <laughs> make sure. She gets up, we're going to pray together, and we're going to make sure that this house is one that is pleasing to Allah subhanahu wa The reality is, is that being gradual is important. Being gradual is important. And the Prophet stressed this upon many of his companions, whom he saw doing things that, for example, were going to be beyond their capacity to be consistent with. Right? So we know about Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, who was striving you know, to, in, in his recitation of Quran and fasting and all of these things. And the Prophet was pushing him towards moderation. And there's, there's a lot that, that, that has to kind of do with that. The, the point is, moderation, both in the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and moderation in the worship, balancing worship and uh, entertainment, if I can use that word. Uh, moderation in the worship and playing with your family and just being lighthearted. And what comes to mind is the hadith of, of not leisure, there you go, that's a, that's a nice word, is the hadith of Hanbala. I want us to really, really pay attention to this because there are several examples from the life of the Prophet that give us or that show us the importance of having a balance when it comes to our homes. Alhamdulillah, he says that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq, he came, he met him they were somewhere. And Abu Bakr said to him, Hey, for how are you, Alhamdulillah? And Alhamdulillah responded by saying, Alhamdulillah has become a hypocrite. Now, mind you, he was one of the ones who used to write the wahi. 
of the prophet Isaiah Salaam was saying. He used to write down the Quran as it was being revealed to prophets with intent. And so Abu Bakr says, SubhanAllah, Mumadak. I mean, he was shocked. So he says, SubhanAllah, what do you, what do you mean? He become a Munafiq. And he said, when we are with the Prophet, the Prophet reminds us of Jannah. He reminds us of the of the hellfire. He reminds us of the hereafter. Right? As if we can see. And subhanAllah, sometimes it's like that. You can even go to a dust and you're listening to all these ayat of the Quran, you listen to the hadith, and you're like ready to go. You're just saying, subhanAllah, you, your iman is through the roof. And you're saying, I'm, I'm ready to meet Allah subhanahu wa That's it. And, and you feel so good. And then he says, and then we go back to our families and we tend to our wives and our children. This is what he said. We tend to our wives and our children. And these things, this is what he's telling Abu Bakr. This is his complaint. And these things slip our minds. He says, so I'm a hypocrite, basically. Because I'm one way. When I'm with the Prophet Salah, I'm, I'm feeling really good. And then when I go home, I'm like this, um, you know, just like this play dad, you know? I'm just hanging out with the family and I'm not really serious anymore. And Abu Bakr is Siddiq, who was the best man to walk this planet after the Prophets. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Abu Bakr said, we feel the same, I feel the same way. We need to go to the Prophet and, and bring this up. So they went to the Prophet and Alhamdulillah started the conversation right away. He went to the Prophet he said, Ya Rasulullah, O Messenger of Allah, Alhamdulillah has become a munafiq. He's become a hypocrite. And the Prophet said, Man, and some narrations, what's going on? And Hanbala said the same thing that he said to Hanbala. He said, well, we're with you, O Messenger of Allah. And you remind us of the hellfire. You remind us of the of paradise. And notice here, the Prophet wasn't just focusing on the hellfire. It was both paradise and tarheed. The Prophet is both encouraging them, giving them encouragement, and he's also, he's also warning them. Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's punishment. Both. That balance. Again, so we're on the topic of balance. And he says, but, you know, when we go back to our families and we're tending to our wives and we're playing with our children, these things slip our minds. And the Prophet said, yeah, alhamdulillah. He said, alhamdulillah. If you were to remain, you all, and he's talking to Abu Bakr he said, if you all were to remain in the state that you are in when you are with me, the angels would come down, they would shake their hands while you're lying in bed and while you're walking in the pathways. He said, laughing at Hanbala. He said, but Hanbala, Sa'atan A time for this and a time for that. Ya Hanbala, Sa'atan There's a time for this. And there's a time for that. Ya Hanbala, Sa'atan There's a time for this, and there's a time for that. So it is very important that as we strive to please Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that we don't 
get to the we don't go so far that we adopt a posture that we can't maintain and that we oppress our families in the meantime because we're so strict. And we're, you know, you try to maintain this pace, the reality of family has rights. And one of those rights is that you're kind and loving is that you are. Like the companions of the prophets are telling you there's time for this and there's a time for that. And so what you're going to find is that uh, as Hamdala felt, he felt somewhat hypocritical because he knows that like he's thinking, man, I'm like we all know, we're going to die, we're going to meet a lost character out and want to make our scales heavy. You know? And so when you're with your family, you're not going to be praying, you're not going to be doing Ethcon and making dua all the time and so on and so forth. And so you may feel like you're not filling up that scale. But the reality is that that, that good treatment to your family, if you're doing it for the sake of Allah, that may be heavier on the scales than anything you'd be saying with your tongue. That may be heavier on the scales than the rakaat that you are missing because you're spending that time with your family for the pleasure of Allah. The Prophet didn't he race Aisha and that wasn't, that was a, that actually, the way that the hadith is worded, that was something that they used to do. It wasn't just like one time. You know, she said the Prophet when, when, when she was younger, she used to, when they would race, she would beat the Prophet or something. She said, when I got older and I put on some weight, then the Prophet beat me. Right? But this is something that they continue to do. It's just clear that the Prophet would do this with her. You know, even as they, uh, even as uh, time went on, and even as he got older, so So the the reality is, is that that balance uh, again um, it, it is is critical. It was the advice that Sabana Pharisee, of the long time, and who gave to his brother Abu uh, Abu Dhab when he came to him, and he found his wife saying, I mean, the wife of Abu Dhab saying that Abdullah doesn't have any need for me. Right? He, he fasts every day, all day. He prays all night. And he really doesn't have any, you know, he's not giving me any attention. And so uh, Salman said to Abdullah, Those things which are going to benefit 
you're here active, or spending time doing those things which are going to benefit beneficial things from the good. It, it doesn't mean that you, you know, you're going to spend the equal amount of time in entertainment and play and amusement in these types of things. Clear? So I just want us to understand. So here, uh, Salman, probably a long time, and he says, your Lord has a right over you, and your family has rights over you, and your body has rights over you, so give each one of them its rights. And then they went to the Prophet والسلام, and, he, and Abu Dhab told the Prophet said, because he thought he was doing the right thing. I'm praying all day, I'm fasting all night, what's the problem? I'm, I'm just, you know. And the Prophet said, Sadaqa Salman. Salman has told the truth. Love long time. And so realizing that balance. The Prophet, for example, he said, he said, Kullu shaykin, laysa he said, everything that is void of the dhikr of Allah, of the remembrance of Allah, is lahu and lahu. It's a distraction, it's just play and it's amusement, unless it is one of four things. That a man does what? That he plays with his wife, plays with his family. It doesn't have to have the dhikr of Allah. And, you know, we're trying to figure out how can we do everything that, it, you know, uh, the time that we spend together is just going to be in tahajjud. That's it. We're just going to get together and make sure this is going to be our time together. You know? And um, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam went on to mention three other things. He said, uh, that, that, that a man trains his horse. So learning how to swim or teaching swimming. And then he said, And that a man goes in between the two targets. In other words, in, in archery. At least that's the explanation of some of the scholars of hadith. So learning how to shoot, learning how to, uh, you know, do bow and arrow, you know, uh, or archery. Uh, learning how to or training your horse for what purpose? Hmm. Right. So, uh, uh, any of those things by PS, any of those things are going to help protect the Ummah of Muhammad ibn Abdullah, protect the Muslims, especially in this in this type of society that, that we live in, where our houses of worship are not sacred anymore. They're not off limits for people to attack, to bomb, to burn down, or all of these other things. And we need to have Muslims. I mean, who are proficient in securing the houses of Allah. None of that. So the point is that the Prophet sallallahu mentioned that even if these things are void of the dhikr of Allah, they're not considered to be lahu and lahu, just distraction and amusement and play. In fact, the person can be rewarded uh, for those things, and a person is encouraged to do those things. So striking that balance. However, the striking, when we talk about striking that balance, never into the haram. Never into the haram. So we're not just going to say, oh, yeah, I'm, you know, uh, well, we want to go out to this. Astaghfirullah. I'm not even going to give you examples. You already know. You, you can't allow yourself. When we talk about being balanced does not mean. Balance stops. There's, there's red lines for balance. Those furumat of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, those limits that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has established, you have to still maintain and stay within those limits, and you can't allow your quest or your claim 
for being balanced, to allowing you to go and to do that which is hard. And you have to protect yourself and your family and your home from the shaitan. And that is part of that obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and part of remaining balanced. The, the last thing I'm gonna say, um, and then we'll, we'll, we'll have the advantage call, inshallah, and I'll try to wrap up the last points. The last thing I want to say on this particular point is that in order for that for the home to be happy, and part of the obedience, and part of the imbalance, is to protect that home from shaitan. And, and one of the easiest things that a person can do is to remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon entering the home. So when entering the home, and make sure that you say Bismillah. Some of the other du'as that the Prophet will mention upon entering the home. And give the salam, assalamu alaikum, when entering the home. Remember Allah Because if you do so, then the shaitan will say, La mabita lakum. You don't have, you tell the other shayati, you don't have anywhere to stay tonight. And if you remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon eating your food, and you say bismillah before you eat, then he will say, and you have nothing to eat tonight. And you don't have anything to eat tonight. But if you forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when entering the home, and you forget Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala before eating your food, then the shaytan will tell the other shayateen, he will say to them, you have a place to stay and you have a meal to eat. So it's very important that and we protect our homes from the shaytan if we want to maintain a happy home. I want to stop here with the next